Are you guys with us? We know you are. So here's how you can help. First, share this podcast with your friends. We can't grow without you. Second, go to www.dmwpodcast.com and check out our merch site. I guarantee we have some great stuff that you're going to love. And your purchase helps support the show. Lastly, keep on leaving positive reviews and follow on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Deadman Walking Podcast. As always, we appreciate your prayers as we continue to bring glory to God. Exploring theology, doctrine, and all of the fascinating subjects in between, broadcasting from an undisclosed location, Dead Men Walking starts now. Oh, well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of Dead Men Walking Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Moore. Just hanging out. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We've had uh, a couple of great episodes over the last uh, few weeks, I think. Some great guests on. Um, if you're listening to this right now, Jeffrey Rice was our last guest. Uh, he does Bible Rebinds. Very interesting. Had some people reach out to me, said they are going to go and uh, check them out, maybe do a rebind on their Bible. So that was cool. But uh, how are you guys doing? Man, uh, what a week. What a week. You know, here in Michigan, where we're coming from, we've had five or six days now of... 50, 60 degrees, and uh, spring is kind of teasing us, but uh, that's not how it usually goes in Michigan. Usually we get a little reprieve in February, and just about the time we're thinking about having people over on the deck, uh, grilling out, uh, getting the camper ready, putting the shorts on, pulling the basketball hoops back out, we get about a foot of snow uh, about the first week of March. So I'm not getting my hopes up. All right, guys, for all those that live in the Midwest, if you're listening right now and you live in the Midwest, you know our struggle. We will get all four seasons within three days, and uh, it's tough uh, because I'm a older I get, the more I'm a summer person. I like the spring, summer, fall, winter, not too much. I've always said I like winter for about a week before Christmas, a week during Christmas, and then I'd love for it to go right back to about 80 degrees and sunny. I like my snow for that two weeks during Christmas, but that's about it. But uh, yeah, lots going on. Lots going on this week. We're going to do kind of a different episode. Um, I'm going to do a little newsy news, talk about some stuff that's been in the news just because there's so much going on this week. And then uh, we're going to finish it up with a proverb that um, I read earlier this week and absolutely... um, just, I mean, I love all Proverbs, but it really, really spoke to me. God's Word does speak to us. Um, it's His revealed Word, and we're going to finish that up. So uh, let's get into some newsy news up front, and uh, I'll give you an opinion on it, and uh, why don't you guys uh, let me know what you think. News, the news, the newsy, newsy news, the news, the news, the news, the news, the news, news, we got some news! All right. We got some news. Well, in the news, first of all, that I've been seeing come across my social media feeds is a lot of posts on this Sam Smith character. Um, If you're not familiar, I'm sure you are already. He performed at the Grammys uh, last week and uh, got everyone up in arms because, um, I mean, he was flaunting essentially satanic worship, uh, you know, devil horns and uh, wearing a dress. Uh, with, you know, half dressed in a dress and uh, male strippers and satanic, you know, uh, flames and all this stuff. Right. 
And uh, I saw everyone getting just so upset. It feels like every six months we have a lot of the evangelical Christians just get, just flip out. I can't believe they put this on television. I can't believe, you know, this is out and out Satan worship. And I always look at that and I go, yeah, that's what the depraved heart wants to do. It wants to worship Satan. It wants to follow after its own flesh and its own desires. Um, fallen nature is what it is. It's depraved yet. I'm never surprised by this. Um, frankly, sometimes I smile to myself because yeah, I think that's almost a mockery of, of Christianity in the sense that, you know, the people in the music industry, entertainment industry, they might even say, yeah, we're going to get a kick out of this. Watch all these Christians flip out because we're so overtly, I mean, it's not even hidden. It's not even, um, you know, it's not even like they're subvertly doing it. They're overtly coming out and they've got, I mean, it was at like the devil horns and, you know, your 1955 devil pitchfork, devil horns, red cape. It's like, first of all, Satan doesn't appear that way at all. Satan comes as an angel of light. He always has some truth mixed in with it. So I look at that and I go, yeah, that's not good, right? Uh, my children and my family and my friends won't be watching any of that. And we won't be some supporting Sam Smith or any of the secular uh, music that wins Grammy Awards. I could care less about the Grammys. Never watched it. I think maybe once in my 20s I watched it and couldn't even stand it then. But um, I'm not really concerned about the overt. I'm concerned... You know, I would much rather uh, have Sam Smith gyrating out on a stage for other people to watch than have uh, wolves in the church. How about that? Um, you know, to give me a Sam Smith and I know where he stands with what he believes and who he worships versus a Stephen Furtick or a Bill Johnson or a Kenneth Copeland, uh, or a Jesse Dupree, or a Joyce Meyer, or a, you know, the, the list goes on and, or a Beth Moore, right? The list goes on and on and on to where we have wolves within the, within the community, within the church that tickle your ears, that give you a little bit of truth mixed in with a false gospel, a false Jesus, a false God, a false Bible. And we say, oh, well, that's okay. Uh, but, oh, look at these horrible, look, look at this thing out here that's obviously clearly satanic. That's much, to me, that's, I, I can spot that. I know what that is. Yep, mark it avoid. I'm not, look at, I'm not going to go buy a Sam Smith uh, album off of iTunes or Spotify. Um, never have, never will. Um, I think he's a talentless hack. Um, you got to realize Sam Smith is a guy who was a singer and then couldn't get a lot of traction. So he said, well, I'm, I'm actually gay and realized, oh, well, that helped his sales a little bit, you know, five, six years ago. But being gay doesn't do anything for you really anymore in the entertainment industry. Then he came out and he said, oh, well, uh, actually, I'm uh, non-binary. And everyone went, yeah, dude, uh, like, sorry, non-binary is nothing big. Uh, that didn't help his album sales that much. So he realized, oh, what I have to do is I have to be uh, overtly non-binary. I have to push the transge transgender issue. I have to show satanic rituals on television. I mean, his he performed based on his music video that just came out. And, you know, these guys are realizing that it's never enough, especially for sin. It's never enough. We all know that that's a biblical principle. You always get deeper and deeper into it. 
But even for the entertainment industry and for the music industry uh, that's pushing these leftist progressive ideas, it's never enough. It used to be, oh my gosh, someone's gay. Ellen in the 90s came out on a sitcom. That was huge. That shot her into stardom. She she made a 30-year career, 25-year career off of her coming out on a sitcom. You come out now. Like Sam Smith saw, oh, I'm gay. So what? Go pound. See, you, intersectionality says you have to be a minority. You have to be queer. You have to be oppressed. You have to be transgender. You have to uh, be two-spirited, satanic, whatever it is, right? The LGBTQAIMRS plus all the, all the letters that go with it. So Sam Smith's one of these guys that realizes he has to keep pushing the envelope to be more outrageous, which... I don't know how you can be more outrageous in this culture. We've seen it all. We've almost seen everything. Really, the last boundary here is, and, and I hate to say this, um, but I see it coming, is is the realm of doing things with children. We're going to see in the next five years, pedophilia be the, the next boundary that people are going to start exploring because that's the really the last thing that can shock us. Um that and torture. We're going to see uh, mute body mutilation and pedophilia really kind of take the center stage into what boundaries can we push because we've seen it all. Outside of those two things, we've seen the satanic rituals. We've seen the drag queen. We've seen the transgenderism. We've seen the homosexuality. We've seen the defiance to any type of authority. We've seen the subjective morality. Uh, the, the secular, you know, believers are, you know, have a different worldview, but the secular uh, world is going, yeah, we've seen it. You need to push the bounds. Sin demands more, more depravity, more sin. We have to push the bounds into evilness and unmorality, immorality, excuse me, for us to be satiated. Is that the right word? Satiated. And when I say us, I'm talking about the secular world, the non-believer. So that, that's all we have going on with Sam Smith is trying to advance his career by pushing the bounds. I look at that and I go, yeah, that's, that's nothing new. That's what the depraved heart's going to do. And it's almost laughable. Satan doesn't come with a pitchfork and red horns and a red cape and a forked tail. He comes as an angel of light. He's going to mix truth in with his lie. He's going to say, here's Christ, and this is the Christ you should worship. And that Christ is 99% of what the true Christ is. Just a little bit off. Generally, you can tell by it um, ref that Christ serves you instead of you serving Christ. So that's the big telltale sign. But it comes very thinly veiled and nicely camouflaged and disguised, uh, Satan's Christ. And so this is laughable. Um, I'm much more concerned about the false teachers, the false prophets, uh, the wolves in sheep clothing within our churches uh, running amok uh, among the church congregation and among the sheep. But that's just my hot take on that. I would, and I would say, don't go watch the Sam Smith thing. Who cares? Uh, don't even, you know, tickle your itching ears or itching eyes, as they would say, to even go, well, what are they up to? It's, it's, I didn't even watch it. I know what it was. I heard the descriptions. I don't need to watch it. Um, you know, and off, off of that, uh, speaking of the Grammys last week, Madonna, uh, came out and, and, and said, you know, a lot of people were commenting on her face. I don't know if you've seen Madonna lately. Um, not that she was some beauty queen in the seventies, eighties and nineties, uh, mostly eighties and nineties, but now she has had so much work done and face dysmorphia. I mean, she looks like she could be the lead character on the next avatar movie. I mean, um, that director needs to call her up and go, Hey, look at, I know you haven't worked in 20 years, but your face, I just paint it blue. She looks like an avatar. I mean, 
puffy cheeks, the chin's all redone, puffy lips, the eyes are all welded shut. I mean, it, it, it she looks like a lizard, really. She looks like some type of of half lizard, half uh, female uh, put together human, you know? And so she looks very strange. And this is, this is, I mean, a trend in Hollywood anyway, and we'll get off this uh, Hollywood subject, but I want to bring this up. It's just, I mean, body dysmorphia, uh, have to look young. Um, and it, and you look and they look horrible, no offense, but give me, you know, uh, when, when my, when me, when my wife and I, when we, uh, hit 60, 65, I want, uh, the natural wrinkled white haired lady that I'm going to be sitting next to. That's who I want as my wife. I don't, there's something in a natural beauty that is so glorifying to God instead of all this fake lip injection, eye, cheek, cheekbone. I mean, it's insane. So anyway, um, you know, they're all chasing youth and beauty. And the funny thing is, is your modern day techniques for, uh, plastic surgery actually make you look not youthful and not beautiful. It does the exact opposite. So people online were going, what is going on with Madonna? She doesn't look human. Obviously there's people trolling that doesn't like Madonna for whatever reason. There's a lot of reasons not to. She gets on there and she says, oh, it's sexism and racism. That's what it's sexism and racism is why people are making fun of my face. And my thought is no, uh, they're making fun of your face because you've mutilated your face. Um, you've mutilated it to a point to where it's unrecognizable. Um, it's not sexism. It's not racism. It's not because you're a woman. It's not because, uh, you know, you have minority children. It's, it's none of those reasons. It's because you've mutilated your face. And even in a depraved fallen world, we can recognize, uh, even unbelievers, God has given us the common grace to recognize beauty. And that is not beautiful. And I'm not even saying in the classical sense of a beautiful woman, right? That we would define as uh, classically beautiful. I'm saying anytime you take God's image, the created image of a woman or a man, and you distort it, it becomes not beautiful because the image of God in and of itself is beautiful. There's beauty in humans because we're made in the image of God. And when you toy around with that or play with that or distort it or, or, or break it or, or put it into a different mold, even unbelievers can recognize that's not aesthetically pleasing or beautiful, right? One of those intrinsic things um, that atheists honestly really have a problem with too is explaining something like uh, an untangible, you know, something, the standard of beauty. How can we even explain beauty if we're just a bunch of, uh, you know, protoplasms and uh, stardust in these flesh bags and that just randomly came together? Why would we even have anything beautiful? But I digress. That's a different subject. So Madonna this week is claiming that her um, disfigured face that she voluntarily disfigured is because of sexism and ageism. I would say, no, it's because you mutilated your face. Oh, the state of the union was just, uh, as of this recording was last week. So we got to talk about that. I mean, Biden and I, I look at, I did the bu- bullet points. I can't sit through a whole Biden state of the union address. Heck, I couldn't even sit through a whole Trump or a whole Obama or a whole Bush. I mean, it doesn't matter who it was. It's they're basically just up there grandstanding for their party. I don't care who it is, but you've got, you know, whoever's in your party claps and cheers. It's the greatest thing in the world. Whoever's in the minority party or the opposite party, boo, you know, liar, and sit there with your hands folded and not stand up and clap. That's just how it goes. The opposite party doesn't like whatever the the president and party is saying. So I don't sit through all of them, but some bullet points is he said he's going to bring back manufacturing jobs back, um, which, you know, 
I laugh at because Biden voted for NAFTA and the most favored nation uh, status for China. You know, Trump actually uh, scrapped NAFTA, which was a step in the right direction. So, you know, it's crazy. Joe Biden is basically he got up there for an hour or an hour and a half, whatever it was. I don't know how long it was. And he basically just got up there and said, hey, I'm going to fix all these problems that I've created over the last 30 years of me being in politics. I mean, it's ridiculous. He said, I'm going to bring back manufacturing. It's like, dude, you helped push manufacturing out of this country by all of the all of the bills that you helped co-sponsor and push through Congress. Uh, he spoke about police reform. Uh, that, you know, he's, he's going to bring back police reform and these racial issues that we're having. And it's like, dude, you sponsored and voted for the 1994 crime bill that, that led to mass incarceration for nonviolent crimes. You know, it's called the violent crime and control and law enforcement act. Once again, he's saying, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fight all these things. I'm going to fight the things that I helped institute and put into law. I mean, he was pivotal on that bill of saying, Hey, guess what? Um, someone carrying two ounces of marijuana um, not even enough to really sell or maybe an ounce or a half ounce of marijuana, two ounces is enough to sell, I guess. It could be down to a quarter ounce, which is really personal use, uh, mandatory sentence, 20 years in prison, nonviolent crime. Um, I would argue even as a believer, does that punishment fit the crime? 20 years in a federal prison for carrying a quarter ounce of a plant in a baggie. Now, I'm not advocating for marijuana use. I'm not advocating that it, it should even be legal to carry marijuana around. I'm saying, does the punishment fit the crime? 20 years mandatory. That was in his bill that he co-sponsored that the president of the United States said, I'm going to fight. We're going to, we're going for police reform and crime reform. And it's like, dude, Prez, you're the one who instituted this. It's absolutely insane. And if you talk to a Democrat or one of his supporters, they'll, Oh, they'll willfully turn a blind eye and, and say, Oh no, you know, I, it's crazy how people will, you present them with a fact and they just ignore it and they just go, Oh no, but, but what about Trump? But what about Bush? But what about this Republican, right? If it's, if you're arguing against a Democrat that, and same thing with, with, uh, I find a lot of times with Republicans, you bring up something that Trump did or a Republican did and they go, Oh, but what about the Democrat? It's what aboutism? And this is what we do back and forth in politics. That's why, um, I'm happy to know as a believer that Christ is King and Christ is ruling. It, it's not up to these idiot Democrats and these loser Republicans that neither one of them stick to their platform. He called for unity, uh, with Republicans too. And that's after he spent the last two years calling, uh, Republicans Jim Crow 2.0 and basically saying that the GOP was responsible for Paul, Paul Pelosi's beat down Nancy Pelosi's, uh, husband. He came out the day after that was like, it's these Republicans that did this there, you know, and then you find out the guy's living, you know, he's a leftist progressive living in a hippie democratic commune. So, uh, and that video is a little crazy too. If you see the video release on that, um, I would say, go look that up of, uh, they knew each other for sure. And there was some stuff going down. They're smiling and joking around when they both have their hand on a hammer, but Republicans are at fault for that too. So you have someone like Joe Biden saying, we need unity. We got to come together. He actually doesn't even say it that clear. He mumbled a lot too. Um, but you know, he's an old man with, uh, dementia, which no one wants to talk about either, uh, especially anyone in the mainstream media. But anyway, he says, we need unity. We need to come together. Then he says, yeah, but, uh, you know, all Republicans are basically Jim Crow. They're, uh, (laughs) stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by covenant real estate and why not? It's my podcast and my real estate company. 
but seriously, I've absolutely enjoyed helping clients buy, sell, and invest in real estate over the last 12 years. My brokerage serves clients in Michigan and Ohio, with more states coming soon. When I started this brokerage, I wanted to ensure that my expertise and knowledge would serve every one of my clients. I take my fiduciary responsibility to my clients very seriously. That's why I named it Covenant Real Estate. Not only is a covenant a contract in the legal sense, but it's also a solemn promise from myself to each of my clients. I will do my absolute best to serve you. It's also pretty cool that our name has some theological implications as well, which is a great conversation starter. And here's the best part. My agents and I have extensive experience in helping people buy and sell residential homes, buy and sell commercial properties, as well as investing in real estate and selling and purchasing recreational and vacant land. Covenant Real Estate can help you with all of your real estate needs, and I would love the opportunity to earn your business. So if you have real estate needs in Michigan or Ohio, call me at 734-731-GREG. That's 734-731-GREG. Or click on the link in the description of this podcast episode you're listening to right now. Remember, Covenant Real Estate. Confidence from contract to close. They're all racist. They caused Paul Pelosi to get hit on the head with a hammer. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So basically what we saw out of the state of the union address was the exact same thing we've seen for uh, the last 15 years by every president, extremely partisan, a bunch of lip service. And uh, in the end, nothing's going to get done. And then let's just finish this uh, section up here with news on. uh, I thought this was interesting. So if you guys aren't familiar, chat GPT uh, is an AI system that will allow you to type in very specific or very general but you can get very specific with it and say, write an essay based in the style of, uh, you know, Jonathan Edwards about the holiness of God. I mean, anything. I'm just using, uh, you know, something uh, religious. But you can go in there and say, uh, write, um, write me a manual on how to build a car that has a six liter engine or build an engine that's six liter. You know, like you can get super specific. And this AI pulls from all over the place all over the sources of the internet. And it actually learns it's, it's true AI and it will give you those things. It will write an essay. It will write a manual. It will give you a response. It can write a comedy scene. For instance, uh, a lot of, uh, comedy writers have been going on there and saying, Oh my gosh, this AI is even funny because it pulls from all different sorts of humors and, and jokes and things like that. But this was interesting. This is an actual response from uh, chat GPT below. Um, and this is where I think the fight of AI is going to be. I want you to read this. Someone typed in there, typed into chat GTB and said, um, could you give me five examples of how white people could improve themselves? And the chat said, sure, here are five examples of ways white people can improve themselves. One, educate themselves about systematic racism and the experience of people of color. Two, engage in introspection and examine their own implicit bias. Three, practice active listening and empathy towards people of color. Four, take action to dismantle racist systems and support anti-racism initiatives. Five, be an ally. Speak out against racism and microaggressions when you witness them. Now, first of all, what does that sound like? That sounds like progressive talking points to me, right? But more worrisome, so it it seems a little biased, but more worrisome is then the person typed in, could you give me five examples of how Jewish people could improve themselves? Here was the response. I remember the first question was, how how can white people improve themselves? 
Now it said, how can Jewish people improve themselves? Here's what the chat said. I'm sorry, but it's not appropriate or productive to suggest that any racial, ethnic, or religious group needs to improve themselves. All individuals, regardless of background, can work towards personal growth and self-improvement, but it's not appropriate to make blanket statements about a particular group or people. It's important to avoid language that implies that individuals or groups are inherently flawed or in need of improvement based on their identity as this reinforces harmful stereotypes and reinforces marginalization. Instead, we should focus on promoting mutual understanding, empathy, and respect for all people, regardless of background. And then, uh, again, someone they typed in, could you give me five examples of how black people could improve themselves? And it gave the exact same response. So here we have, uh, an AI that when asked what white people could do to improve themselves, they give you all the talking points of the left, microaggressions and speak up and silences violence and all those things. But when asked what can Jewish people or black people do, well, hey, look at you can't question an ethnic group of people. That's horrible. What are you doing? And basically the AI basically applies, you know, implies that the person asking is racist. So why do I say all that? Why am I telling you that? Am I just some like jealous white guy? that uh, doesn't like it, that uh, the AI, you know, uh, said white people need to improve themselves. No, here's the bigger picture. AI has to be programmed. Artificial intelligence has to have some type of base to work off of, has to have a worldview. So what, who's going to program and who's going to write the core foundational truths for the AI? Here's another example what I'm saying. Um, and I have an, I have an uncle who's an engineer and we talked about this. He's an engineer with Ford and they're looking into these type of things with, um, with artificial intelligence. If you have an autonomous vehicle, okay, that autonomous vehicle is making decisions based on the coding and the programming and essentially the AI, the artificial intelligence that's been put into uh, its program, its hardware. And that hardware responds from that coding. So right now, you know, a Tesla that, that can drive by itself, um, it has choices to make. If it's going down the road and brake lights are hit in front of it and it, 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 it doesn't have enough time, it knows that if I put apply 100% brakes right now, I'm going to hit that car at this speed or that car in front of me. It's got to make a choice and say, uh, do I veer to the left? Do I veer to the right? Um, and Elon Musk has talked about this. Who is writing the choice to, let's say, hit the car in front of me or the wall in front of me and possibly kill the passengers in my car? I can veer to the left and it looks like I'm going to harm an elderly woman walking down the sidewalk, or I can veer to the right and I might harm uh, a younger pregnant woman walking on the other side of the street. That AI in a split second has to make a choice and that choice has been predicated upon the programming and that pro programming is predicated upon the worldview of the programmer. So what is the worldview of the programmer going to be that's going to program the AI? If that AI says, oh, I'm going to take out the elderly person uh, because I don't want to kill everyone in the car. There's five lives in the car and I don't want to kill the pregnant woman uh, because there's potentially two lives there. That is a moral worldview decision that that AI has to make. That one life is not as worth as much as five lives in the car or possibly two lives with the woman who's pregnant, or maybe the person with the worldview who has, uh, who, who has programmed the AI says that there, that life in the womb, isn't a life. That's one. That's just one young girl walking there. There's no life. That's a clump of cells in the, in the womb. So now the AI is programmed to say, okay, well that one pregnant, 
uh, younger lady versus the elderly lady, well, we're going to swerve and hit the elderly lady because she's lived more of her life. So we, we don't want to kill the young girl. Maybe it's flipped. Maybe the AI is programmed to say, like in Japan or in Asian cultures, maybe we hit the young person because the elderly person is the one that has all the knowledge. And we respect our elders and we hold them in high esteem. Not so much in American Western culture, but in other cultures like Asian culture. So here's my point. There could be five or six different ways that AI could make a split decision based on who's programming and who's what kind of foundation and worldview and ideology the programmers have. And that's the wild frontier of AI. And that's what we're going to be facing as believers and as Christians. And to some part as conservatives as well, if you're conservative and socially and fiscally and things like that, you're going to have people programming AI that has a certain worldview. And you've got to realize the world is totally upside down right now. in the fact that we don't even have objective morality, we have subjective morality, uh, your truth. We've heard that term so many times. Speak your truth. Come on, man. It's, it's your truth. Well, it's not wrong to steal. If, if a man's starving, he can steal. Well, wait a minute. Is it wrong to steal or is it right to steal? Is there only certain times that it's right? So we've been on this slippery slope and this slide of uh, introduction of subjective morality for the last 30 to 50 years in this country. And it's really taken, you know, big steps in the last five to 10 years. I mean, just uh, huge steps in, in subjective morality taking place of objective morality. So who's going to, who's going to program the morality into these AI units, whether it's cars or chat, you know, chat GPT is, is very basic, but we're already seeing AI start to take over with um, training videos and, and uh, chat and text and auto driving cars and in even in machinery, right? Those machines that are going to have to make decisions for work safety in the workplace. How are they making those decisions? So I would say, keep your eye on this. This is the, this is the next big field. And I think honestly, you are going to hear me say this. This is going to be the next big battlefield for believers. When we're talking about technology, AI ideology, and how the uh, AI is programmed and, and how, what's the morality? Is it a biblical worldview? Is it godly principles? Is it biblical principles at all? Is it Eastern philosophies? Is it the Greeks? I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. So, so keep your eye on that. Um, that's all we have for the news. I just wanted to talk to you guys about those things. Let's get into, as we finish this up, let's get into Proverbs three. I just wanted to read Proverbs three with you guys because wow, what a great proverb. And it has some very unique promises and it goes along with kind of what we're seeing nowadays with the lack of wisdom and discernment, uh, not only in the church, but especially in the secular world. So let's get into Proverbs 3 here. Uh, I'm reading from the LSB, the Legacy Standard Bible. I uh, just switched from ESV about two weeks ago. So if I stumble over some things, it's I'm not quite used. I've been out of the you know ESV for 20 years. So this is LSB. Uh, Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart guard my commandments. Do we really think of God's law and commandments as something we need to guard? If not, we need to fight for it, stand up for it, guard it. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. So peace, length of days and years of life. If you guard his commandments, do not let loving kindness and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, it says around your neck. We're going to hear that later in the uh, proverb as well around your neck. So just 
Keep that in mind. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good insight in the eyes of God and man. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. A great promise there and probably a a famous and familiar verse. Um, Unfortunately, too many people uh, today, we do trust in our own understanding. We trust in how we perceive the world, what we've read, what we've experienced, instead of trusting in the understanding, the wisdom, and the knowledge of God's holy and inspired word, which sometimes feels like it's antithetical. It's it's going against what we think we know or our experience. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh and turn away from evil. That's uh, also Job 28, 28. And we'll read that very quick. Job 28, 28 says, So he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and turn away from evil, it is understanding. So we see even in uh, Solomon's proverb reflecting the older book written, uh, Job reflecting the same idea. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor Yahweh from your wealth, from your increase, and from the first of all you produce. Listen here now as we get into the second part of this proverb. So your barns will be filled with plenty. There's more promises. And your vats will burst with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of Yahweh or loathe his reproof. Whoops. For whom Yahweh loves, he reproves, even as a father reproves a son whom he delights. I absolutely love that. My son, don't reject the discipline of Yahweh. Sometimes we don't like it when we get disciplined, but I'll tell you what, uh, we don't want to reject the discipline of Yahweh because he corrects those that he loves. Now listen here. I want to go through these next five verses and listen to the things that wisdom and discernment can bring into your life. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom? One, you're blessed. And the man who obtains discernment. For her profit is better than silver. So it's better. The profit is better than silver. And her produce is better than fine gold. Two, three, better than fine gold. She is more precious than pearls. Four, more precious than pearls. And nothing you desire compares with her. Five, length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand, Six, riches and glory. Her ways are pleasant ways. So with wisdom and discernment, you have pleasant ways. Point number seven. And all her pathways are peace. Point number eight. She's a tree of life. Point number nine to those who seize her. And then finishing it up, point number 10 again. And all those who hold to her fast are blessed. See so many blessings in wisdom and discernment. Yahweh by wisdom founded the earth. So it was through wisdom that the earth was founded. By discernment, he established the heavens and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not deviate from your eyes. Guard sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be the life of your soul and the grace of your neck. There's the neck again, putting it, holding it around our neck, close to our heart, right? Anything that's around your neck, it signifies life. It's close to your heart, which signifies soul. Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Listen here as we finish this out. When you lie down, you will not be in dread. You will lie down and your sleep will be pleasant. Do not be afraid of sudden dread, nor of the storm of the wicked when it comes. It's a good word for after reading all that news, right? Don't fear sudden dread or the storm of the wicked. It feels like there's a storm of wicked around us right now in this world, but do not fear that, he says. For Yahweh will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Amen. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. So do good in the moment. I love how this proverb shifts from there's wickedness all around you, the storms of evil, God will uh, be your confidence, and then he moves right into, all right, so let's live in the present and let's do right right now. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due, verse 28. Uh, when When it is in your hand to do it, verse 28. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come and tomorrow I will give it. 
when it is there with you to give right then. So we're now we're seeing that wisdom lives in the moment of doing good right then. 29, do not devise uh, harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. Do not contend with a man without cause if he has dealt you no harm. So now we're seeing practical living rules here, like live peaceably. Don't go out of your way to be offended. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious one, and devious means there to turn away, is an abomination to Yahweh. So the man who's devious and turns away from these things that I've just said, that's an abomination to Yahweh. But his secret counsel is with the upright, or the word there is righteous. The curse of Yahweh is on the house of the wicked one, but he blesses the abode of the righteous. Though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the humble. O Lord, let us be humble. The wise will inherit glory but fools raise up in disgrace. Brothers and sisters, what a great proverb to go through. And I would encourage you, there's 31 proverbs. There's also 31 days in a month, most months. Make it a goal. Read a proverb a day. Uh, My father gave me that advice when I was young, and I took him up on that, and it's been such a blessing uh, in my life. Uh, So much richness and goodness uh, contained in proverbs. And what a way to balance out the first half of this, uh, this episode where we just see all this horrible things going on in the world. But brothers and sisters, we have the word of God and the word of God is refreshing. It's like cool water on your lips when you're thirsty. Uh, it speaks to your soul. Um, it gives us joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. It is the word of God. And, uh, I'm glad I could share it with you. So guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of dead men walking podcast. We appreciate you guys always uh, getting in touch with us, commenting on our social media posts and giving us suggestion for shows too. If you have a suggestion of someone you'd want to hear on here, a guest, um, I could reach out to him and we'll try to get them on or a subject that you'd like us to talk about. Um, or like me to talk about, I would love to hear from you. So, and as always, make sure you check us out at dmwpodcast.com and remember the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever. God bless. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.